From the newsroom of Impact Alpha, I'm Brian Walsh, and this is your Impact Briefing for Friday, July 7th. On today's show, David Bank has the next conversation in our series stemming from the recent Connecting Capital to Communities gathering. He'll chat with Glenn Jordan, the CEO of Empawa, who is using blockchain to unlock affordable housing in emerging markets, starting in Mozambique. How do we alleviate poverty? How do we enable people who aren't formally employed, who are hustling? How do we get them to create wealth? One of the things I found was that property is not accessible. But first, here's what you need to know from this week in impact investing. Racial equity investors say they are more determined, not less, to increase diversity in asset management and access to capital for black and brown founders in light of last week's Supreme Court ruling on affirmative action. Illumin Capital's Darren Dodson told Impact Alpha, It's disappointing, but we're right back at work. One strategy possibly at risk, according to the Urban Institute, are foundation investments specifically in asset managers of color. A family forest program is enrolling small owners of forest land to tap carbon markets for conservation efforts. Small owners control nearly 40% of U.S. forest land. The initiative from the Nature Conservancy and the American Forest Foundation is bankrolling forest owners who have as little as 30 acres to sequester carbon, support biodiversity, and reduce wildfire risk. In deal news, every table raised $25 million to open more of its fast, casual, healthy food restaurants. The chain will open two dozen stores in food deserts in California and New York, managed by franchisees of color, in every table social equity franchise fund. And finally, in a guest post on Impact Alpha, Zach Stein of Carbon Collective argues that the rise of passive investing has made it harder to accurately price climate risks. Take electric vehicles, which are disrupting oil demand. Yet short-term profits have caused oil stocks to be overweighted in passive portfolios. Stein says it doesn't make sense to have oil stocks in 30-year retirement accounts, and certainly not to have more oil stocks than three years ago. And now it's time for this week's featured conversation, the next in our series from the Salzburg Global Seminar, sponsored by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. You can read David Bank's recap of the gathering on impactalpha.com. David sat down with Glenn Jordan, the CEO of Empower, which is using the blockchain to unlock affordable housing opportunities in emerging markets. Let's jump right in. Glenn Jordan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Nice to be here. So let's just situate you first. You are born in Zimbabwe. Correct. Uh, educated or raised in South Africa. Um, educated, tertiary education in South Africa. Yeah. Live in the Netherlands. Live in the Netherlands. Working yeah. in Mozambique. Working in Mozambique and Ghana and Nigeria and Uganda and yeah, so all over Africa. And the organization is called Empower. And what problem are you trying to solve? We're trying to solve the problem of affordable housing in emerging markets, but obviously initially focused in Africa. And just tell us how you got into the, this and, and, what, and what you're up to. Uh, interesting, because um, I'm being Zimbabwean. When the Zimbabwean economy collapsed, about 5 million Zimbabweans poured into South Africa. And in, and in sort of one of the typical things of, of legislation and, and the anomalies of, of legislation, they were allowed through the border, Zimbabweans, we were allowed through the border, but we weren't allowed to open bank accounts. So it was one of those things where just by a ridiculous identification forced 5 million people effectively into the informal economy and the black economy, actually. 
And so I was running, I actually set up, a, uh, well, with, with others, I co-founded a, a fintech, which was to um, enable technology for people to become part of the financial system without having to be in the formal banking system. So it was electronic wallets. Con, con, and it was with that hat on that I was approached by a Dutch asset manager, actually, to look at the creation of pensions for people who weren't formally employed. So I asked him how um, he had, was looking at it and it was very traditional save put away you know give money back when you're old but if you're on the breadline, you realize that that's not feasible that's not how it works you know if you're hustling to survive day to day not a lot to put away for savings to, exactly not a lot to put away you're not thinking of tomorrow you're not thinking of old age you're just getting through today and so i said well that's not going to work and he said well great don't give me a problem give me a solution and it was just it stuck in my ear it just literally i, I couldn't get rid of it and and because it, it's a fundamental challenge. It's poverty, effectively, poverty alleviation. How do we alleviate poverty? How do we enable people who aren't formally employed, who are hustling? How do we get them to create wealth? One of the things I found was that property is not accessible. And then I, I got into DeSoto's work and all of that and realized that it's actually not because people don't have money, but it's because of the systems. It's actually the systems that don't work in emerging markets, and that's what's cre creating this barrier to the creation of wealth. So in the Mozambique context and in the housing context, uh, you, you found that you needed to uh, sort of innovate some solutions to be able to get people on this track. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, it was it, it, even in South Africa because where I was living, I, I literally, I was living in Cape Town, and where I was living, and South Africa is a great representation of the disparity in the world because, you know, the apartheid, apartheid structures, there was the white areas and the, and the traditional black areas. And... They're two worlds. They're two worlds apart. They're literally worlds apart, and they're literally next door to each other. And where I was living in a beautiful area of Cape Town called Hart Bay, there's a, a township called Imazamayetu. And in Imazamayetu, the people who lived there were living in informal environments, and were paying between four and seven times more per square meter than I was paying 300 meters away in the formal economy. It's expensive to be poor. It's very expensive to be poor. And, and that was when the really it landed that it's actually just expensive. It's not a function of poverty. This is a function of systems and processes and how do we liberate that? And so that was when started exploring and actually Mozambique is even worse. So Mozambique has 600 mortgages in a country of 30, 32 million people. Literally 600? 600 mortgages, not 600,000, not 600 for the village, 600 in the entire country. So that gives you a sense of the dysfunction of the banking system. And, and to defend the banks, it's not, it's not the, necessarily their fault because all the structures are geared from a Western perspective. And by that, what I mean is you need formality. You need systems that work. So you need identification. And in fact, if you look at a mortgage, it's really geared for salaried employees who get paid on a particular day of the month and then the mortgage deduction can come from via debit order the day after or on the same day. So that works brilliantly in that environment. But when there's no formality, there's no identification, income is informal, a mortgage product just doesn't work. So the banks are just not geared to provide that. And so they can't provide that. So you take that and combine that with, with the informal income, which means that I have no proof of income. I can't prove my day and it's day to day. So it doesn't come in a bunch. So then how do, I, how do you enable housing? And that was the reality. So we, 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 we have to turn it around and create products that meet the needs of the informal market on the one side, but create structures 
that enable the capital to flow from where there is capital to those structures in a way that's cost-effective um, and effective. So you've hooked me on the problem. What's the solution? Well, the, it's, it's, we're implementing a technology solution, actually, because we believe just like M-Pesa or mobile money addressed a fundamental challenge, we believe that actually the new technologies and blockchain technology particularly has a, a, a real fundamental role to play in this process because it enables us to record data um, in an immutable way. Because historically, because of the informality, what informal means is it actually that means it's invisible. So how do we make that data visible in a way that that is immutable and immediate? And the blockchain is a fantastic technology for that. That's the first use of the blockchain. The second use is also for the transfer of value. So where, again, where the banking systems or the, the financial systems don't work. So just as M-Pesa and mobile money was a, a response to the fact that the banking system wasn't working on the ground for the people who needed it, it's the same process. So blockchain enables us to transfer value cost-effectively and effectively to people and institutions where it's needed most. Okay, so I can get that there's a blockchain-based solution to sort of recording the data and then possibly even extending a loan if you can make the credit uh, work. Um, but is that going to be enough to buy a house? Yeah, because the, the way we've structured it is, is that, in fact, we, we make the whole prim, principle effectively of blockchain or decentralization or localization is that it's, it's forward-looking as opposed to backward-looking. So you build reputation instead of looking for past reputation. So the whole thing around that is, is so for the, this market, we've really, we are supporting rent-to-own. So instead of buying it up front or, or needing it up front, we, we provide the, the service provider, in this case in Mozambique, Casa Real, the developer, with the funding in order for them to be able to provide the end user, their end user, a rent option. At which they own it at the end. So all of that enables us to be forward-looking, to be able to, to take that data and record it, and then be able to provide the systems and mechanisms that then it becomes attractive to investors. So your developer is building houses on the promise that there will be a rental market among these informal workers who can uh, demonstrate their rentability, as it were, uh, exactly. by, by your database, but is there, is there really enough um, money in, this, in that system for them to get the financing they need, for example, to build the housing? Well, it's really because of the expense of living, just generally, if you live in, an, in a city, just you know, what I was describing earlier, it is expensive, so there's enough money. That's not the challenge. The challenge is the proof of the money and the ability to, to record that, and so that's part of what the technology does. So absolutely, there's that capability. The biggest challenge we have is, is in order, we need to prove that to capital effectively. So how do we prove that in a way that meets their needs, that we can prove that the cash flows can afford that and can support that? And the data was something that we knew and that the research showed and everything had done, but hadn't practically been done. And just to give you the sense of, of the level of demand, Casa Real had been sitting with some empty homes for two years. Because if you can imagine, there are very few people who can buy a house for cash in most societies, but in a city like Beira and Mozambique, it's non-existent. So if, if you, the only option is a bank loan mortgage, where there's, last year there were none in that city, um, or cash, 
of cash down payment, you can imagine that the market isn't huge. But when the rent-to-own was put into place and there was a level of trust because of, of the service provider, they sold out in a weekend. So you've created a marketplace that didn't exist or that didn't function at least. It didn't function, correct. So, so if you can imagine that the size of that mortgage market, but the number of people who are actually living, the number, the potential market, that's, we, we keep saying it's actually almost unlimited demand. So if we can just find a cost-effective, a quality product at a cost-effective price, the demand is almost unlimited. So have you actually helped somebody get into housing? Absolutely. We've enabled, just through the, the proof of concept, we've enabled 30 families to get access to homes, which they are already, the data is already showing they, they've paid off about 5% already of the, of the equity in the home. So in other words, the capital portion of the home, plus we've got about a 99% payment rate. So again, you know, there's this perception again that this segment of the market doesn't pay, but the market segment doesn't pay if there's shock. So yes, they're not, it's challenging because they're not resilience. There isn't a lot of resilience because there's no back, back uh, what's the look at savings effectively. So they can't call on savings, but if you can create a product that's flexible enough that meets that need, they can, it's, it's not because there's not a desire particularly to own a home, as you can imagine. So the families that get this opportunity are so excited and grateful and, and you know, just they can't wait to get to be able to own their own home. And we've actually got video material of, of people describing that and the, the ecstasy of that opportunity that they've never thought they would have in their lifetime. So let's say you've proven your proof of concept. What do you need to scale? So now it's just a question of, of, of partnerships in order to, to do that. So we're already in discussions with another of, number of service providers around the, around the continent. And really it's about capital structures to, make the, to be able to provide the capital cost effectively. So whether that is through the banking system, you know, in terms of new products, because although they can't manage the informality, they've got capital, whether it's the banks in country, the pension funds, the investment houses, or, you know, DFIs, uh, multinational capital providers, impact investors. It's really those kinds of investors that we're looking for now to be able to really take this, leverage it and, and scale it. The other thing that's interesting is a, a real-life example of blockchain effectiveness or blockchain utility. Um, it's, it's, it's truly cutting your costs and increasing your efficiency? Absolutely. And, and that's, for me, one of the tragedies of blockchain because the technology is fundamentally transformational, and yet the hype has, has almost clouded that to such an extent that you know, the entire focus is on, the, is on the speculative portion of it as opposed to actually the, the potential that it has to really transform, and particularly in areas that don't function. So I always use the mobile money example. Just like mobile money emerged from an emerging market, not from where it was, where you know the systems functioned, it's the same. Blockchain is really, really useful in areas where the systems don't function. So it's most effective where the systems are most dysfunctional. So a blockchain-based mortgage rent-to-own model to solve the problem of affordable housing in emerging markets. That's, you summarized it in one. Look at my elevator pitch. <laughs> Empowered, Glenn Jordan, thanks for joining us. Not at all, thanks for your time. That's going to do it for this week's Impact Briefing. Thanks to David Bank and Glenn Jordan for that great conversation. You can read more about all the stories covered in today's podcast at impactalpha.com. Ready to try Impact Alpha? Sign up for Impact Alpha Open, completely free, directly at impactalpha.com. If you want to go deeper, 
grab a subscription and get full access to Impact Alpha, including the award-winning morning brief and our popular Agents of Impact calls. Just go to impactalpha.com slash subscribe and choose an annual subscription. Thanks as always to our producer extraordinaire, Isaac Silk. For Impact Alpha, I'm Brian Walsh. Be sure to check back for next week's briefing. Until next time, take good care.